Welcome to Unfeared, a podcast of ghost stories written by women. Every fortnight I find myself in a strange, ordinary place with a book or my iPad, a microphone or my iPhone, to read you a story, a ghost story. If you'd like to know more about Unfeared, you can pop over to our coffee page at coffeeko-fi.com slash unfeared and you can find out about the episodes and the authors you can get in touch with us you can support us by buying us a small cup of coffee and you can even check out our shop i hope you've all had a great and ghostly break over the holiday period and that the new year is treating you well and i thought that i'd kick off with one of my own stories this story i'm going to read in the place it was actually set So um, I have a little office in the Midlands in in the UK and it's part of a larger office and they have a very, very lovely bathroom. Um, But this bathroom has an automatic light system. And uh, one evening uh, I was on the loo and the lights went out. And then this story came out of that. Okay, so I'm going to go into the bathroom now and you will hear the lights come on and you will hear the fan come on. I'm not going to make you listen to it for very long. So here we go. Wonderfully creaky door. And that's the fan. Can you hear that? Okay. So I'm going to sit down. I'm not sitting on the loo. (laughs) I have put a little chair in here, which is weird, but it's the weekend. No one else is around. Um, And I will wait until the extraction fan turns off, um, and then I'll read you this story. So I want to give you a trigger warning. There are references in this story to suicide and also to surviving a train crash. The Lights by Jacqueline Gabitus. The lights turned themselves off. That they do this is nothing out of the ordinary. They work on a sensor. You come into the cubicle. The lights turn on. On the toilet, you're out of the sensor's reach, so after a while, they go off. All day, on, off, on, off under the weight of office traffic. Ms Naomi Sylvin was new to the firm of Senna's. Her details were something like this. She was a copywriter, 37 years old, married, widowed, never remarried. They had been in love, had one child, Thomas. There was nothing remarkable about Thomas except that he along with his mother, had survived a train crash when he was four. He was nine years old now and liked maths and drawing. He wasn't very good at either, but he liked them anyway. At school, he drew pictures of houses, planes and motor cars and gave them to his mother when she got home. He never drew trains. His father had driven one. Naomi Sylvin had moved jobs only twice in her life. The first, after she had graduated from a small publishing house to a marketing firm. The second, 
when she joined Senna's. The marketing firm had grown too big for her. She liked to write copy, not plan schedules, and so she'd found in Senna's a small company who needed good copywriters. They mostly took on graduates, but their staff turnover was high. They were looking for someone more stable. Her old firm had begged her to stay, offered a blank cheque, but she'd made up her mind. She had only one proviso, no night work. She needed to get home to her son. Senna's broke that rule only once. She was now seven weeks into her contract. She'd watched the autumn days shorten and the weather grow chill. There were still leaves on the trees, brown and gold, but soon they would wizen and fall cold to the earth. Naomi Sylvan disliked autumn. It was the season of her husband's death, the season of her and Thomas's survival. Even now, so many years on, the gold on trees, amber in the evening sky, might all of a sudden make her feel as if the world was bereft of people. Winter at least didn't try to trick you, Naomi thought. Didn't try to pretend it had warmth. Thomas never felt what his mother felt. And for this, Naomi was thankful. He still liked autumn. Yet, if Naomi had the kind of job where she could spend three months somewhere brighter and warmer when the autumn season crawled up, then she would. But Thomas had school and friends, and she had this new position at Senna's. She walked into the company's bathroom, and the light flicked on. Brilliant, cheerful. The yellow glow softened the dark circles under Naomi's eyes. She looked tired again, yes, but it was a kind of tired... It came with many hard days' work, the good kind of tired. Next to the sink was a mirror, full length. The better to check you were properly dressed when you left, no tucking your skirt into your underwear, no toilet roll sticking to the heel of your shoe. The lights had at first alarmed, then irritated Naomi. There was no switch to control. A sensor turned on the bulbs in every cubicle as well as the wash area. It activated the extraction fans, automatic air fresheners. The manufacturers had calculated the most efficient amount of time for a woman to use a bathroom cubicle. Naomi had wondered at the formula, and who might have written the algorithm? After two and a half minutes, the lights would all go out. The extraction fan cut off. When this had happened the first time, she'd been the last in the office and already by 5.30 it was night outside. She was left sitting in the dark, in silence. Her thoughts were a mixture of farce and panic. What the fuck? What's happening? How do I get the lights on? She'd been writing a tweet and so the darkness, sudden and shocking, was tinged with a dull rainbow. She'd almost dropped the phone into the lap of her baggy trousers. Then anger took over. Oh, for fuck's sake, she growled. She reached up and started waving her arms, phone strobing in the blackness. The lights stayed off. Her glance skittered around the cubicle. Nothing to help. Maybe the door would trigger the sensor, she thought. She unlocked the catch. The door opened inwards, away from the sensor. Slowly she closed it. 
not sure why it made her feel safer. <coughs> the extraction fan kicked in, loud. Jesus Christ, she said. She could feel her throat tight and dry. Suddenly, she felt cold. No, the air around her felt cold. She breathed out, her breath hazy in the light of her phone. Memes bounced off the wall and toilet paper. She was getting even more annoyed. She lifted a roll and threw it over the top. The sensor was too far away. The insect drone of the fan stopped again without warning. She heard a click. It sounded just like her son's jaw when he was eating. Since the crash, it had always clicked. Naomi stopped herself. This was ridiculous. She was on a toilet after all. She cleaned up, flushed, opened the door and walked out of the cubicle into the darkness. Phone torch ahead of her. In the mirror, a woman. Black dress suit. Hair pulled tight from her face. Eyes looked like chasms. Mouth red. Neoni yelped and jerked back. The sensor sprang into life. She squinted in the brilliance. In the mirror, looking back at her, red hair pinned behind her ears, was her own reflection. The next day, she asked Jan about the lights in the bathrooms. Of the copy team, Jan had worked for Senna's the longest, nine months. Oh my God, yeah, said Jan, leaning over her desk. Those lights, they're new. We've only had them about a year. We've complained, but they've not sorted them. I don't know how long they're meant to come on for, but I don't even think it's a minute. It scared the crap out of me once, she said, then added, laughing, literally. Why, what happened? Well, as I said, they've not actually been fitted very long. I had a press release to write for a book, True Crime, so I was already a bit spooked. I hate true crime. People can be sick, you know? Naomi nodded. And, she said. So I was, you know, and the lights went off. So frigging dark. And then I heard a clicking, like walking on heels, you know? Little clicks. Click, click. Then Julie came in. She doesn't work here anymore. And then the lights came back on. I tell you, I saved a ton on detox. Scared the crap out of me. She laughed loudly and finished her coffee. Three nights ago, Senna's broke Naomi Sylvain's rule. The client was American. There was a conference call. It had to be recorded. This meant the office. Senna's only trusted the office for this, no matter how inconvenient it was for the staff. Miss Senna's herself came to ask Naomi. A personal favour, she called it. Naomi had insisted she needed to be home by eight at the latest. Miss Senna's assured her she would be and thanked her in a pinched, meaty voice. But Naomi knew that she really had no choice. She had half an hour before the meeting. She leaned back in her chair and stretched her spine. Her shoulders ached. She should be at home with her son, reading stories, drinking cocoa and listening to the ins and outs of his day. Instead, she was in an office, killing time. She retidied her desk, straightened her in-tray, opened and closed the files on her desktop. 
checked her watch. She needed two things, tea and a piss. She massaged some life back into her stiff fingers and cracked her knuckles. Click. A shiver gripped her. Then she chuckled. You'll be scared of your own shadow next. She rolled her shoulders, ready for the world, and stood up. Piss first. The toilet was downstairs at the end of the corridor. She could feel a sharp snap to the evening air. Autumn had moved into winter. The light turned itself on. She chose the first cubicle, the one furthest away from the mirror. It was bright and clean, smelled of peonies. She laughed at herself. Coming down the stairs, she'd felt uneasy, chilled, her skin prickly. She'd entertained the thought just for a second of using the men's, but she knew she was being ridiculous. And now, with the lovely smell of peonies and the bright light, she was sure of it. She felt a little stress, that's all. Big client. And in any case, she was prepared this time. Her torch was ready on her phone. She would be fine. She was fine. She finished what she needed to do without incident. The lights flickered once, but that happens sometimes even in daylight. She went to wash her hands. The basin was at the far end of the bathrooms opposite the mirror. At 6.27, her mobile phone rang. She swore. Call the office line, Mr Ellison, she muttered. She bit her tongue, took a breath, and answered, Naomi Sylvain. Hello? The air around her froze. Her breath clouded. Skin crawled. Hello? Hello? Mr Ellison? With each word, her throat burned cold. Hello? And he just won't settle Miss Sylvain. He's really upset. I've only just got him to stop crying. Helen? Helen, is that you? Why are you phoning? Is Thomas okay? What's wrong? There was a moment of angry confusion on the end of the line. Naomi could hear her son arguing in his infant way with the new babysitter. No, Thomas, I'm talking to your mummy right now. No, stop snatching. The conversation turned back to Naomi. Miss Sylvanie really wants to speak to you. Thomas, just, just stop. There was a sound of a struggle, the babysitter swearing in pain, and then, Mummy, Daddy wants you to look behind you. Thomas, you need to look behind you, Mummy. Sweetie, do it now. Mummy! Naomi turned quickly. In the black, frosted mirror, she saw herself. Standing beside her, a woman in a dress suit, hair pulled back, eyes like chasms, reaching out. Naomi yelled. She dropped the phone on the bathroom floor. It cracked like an old bone, and the line went dead. In the mirror, the woman jerked her head, smiled sadly. The lights went out. Naomi screamed, flailed in the dark, but the lights stayed off. She scrambled for her phone on the floor. It was cracked, but still worked. She flicked the torch, bright and white, in front of her, an inch from her very own, 
a face, eyes like chasms, mouth red. It leaned closer and with a click, click, click of its jaw opened that mouth. Naomi screamed again, flailed at the air. The lights came on. The woman had vanished. The cold room was suddenly painfully hot. Sweat poured down Naomi's face. The world spun. She needed air. She staggered. Out the bathroom, down the corridor, out the front door. The ice in the night air wrenched at her lungs. The door slammed behind her with a dead sound. She didn't stop to pull the shutters down, just stumbled to her car, crawled in, turned on the lights, started the engine and drove. On the way home, she kept the cabin lights on. People honked at her. She didn't hear them. Ms Naomi Sylvan hasn't returned to Senna's. She phoned in sick the day before yesterday, emailed her two weeks' notice. She was going to be fired anyway. She'd cost them a client. Miss Senna's doesn't tolerate hysterics and incompetence, as she calls it. She's seen it many times. It's a stressful job, she tells the board. They listen, believe her. At home, a glass of Rioja in her hand, Naomi's email flickering on the screen, Miss Senna's thinks of her baby sister, Elspeth. She takes a sip of wine, bites her bottom lip in a white pinch, and swallows. Just a year ago last month, she remembers how they'd cut the poor girl down from the light gantry. She remembers her eyes bulging in the gloom, jaw clicking as they released the belt she'd wrapped around her throat, the Gucci belt her elder sister had given her for Christmas. It's a stressful job, not for everyone. Miss Senna's takes a deep breath and lets it out slowly. She closes her eyes and if a tear forms on her eyelash, she chooses, like so many things, to ignore it. And that was The End of the Lights by Jacqueline Gabitus. It's so funny, the extraction man has just come on again. <laughs> so I, I will tell you, I've been, I've, I've been recording this story in daylight, sort of late afternoon, and um, halfway through the story, the lights went off. <laughs> if I'd have done it at night time, I would have been really, really freaked out. Anyway, and also not able to see. I'm going to wait for the fan to come off again. <laughs> the sound of the extraction fan slowly, slowly, slowly turning off. I hope you enjoyed that story. One of my particularly freaky things, things I really don't like, is um, the thought of looking in a mirror and seeing something that isn't there. Maybe a change in my reflection or something behind me. Um, I know it's a trope, but it's one of those, it's just one of those tropes that really oh, just, just gets to me. And I think that this story taps into that. Anyway, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, please, please do like it and share it. And the more that you share it, the more you tell people about it, the more it will boost our listenership and it will boost our visibility. If you know of a published ghost story written by a woman that you really would love to hear on the podcast, 
drop us a line, pop over to our coffee page. You can drop us a message there or you can email us at unfearedpodcast at gmail.com. And if we like the story and we're able to record it, we will for a future episode. Unfeared, a podcast of ghost stories written by women, is researched and hosted by Jacqueline Gabitus with editing and sound by Martin Parker. And so I'll leave this episode by thanking you for listening and wishing you well. And I hope you take care and stay safe. And we'll see you in a fortnight. Bye-bye. The lights have just gone. (laughs)